You are listening to the Women of the Military podcast, where we share the stories of female service members and how the military touched their lives. I'm your host, military veteran, military spouse, and mom, Amanda Huffman. My goal is to find the heart of the story and uncover issues women face while serving in the military. If you want to be encouraged by the stories of military women and be inspired to change the world, keep tuned for this latest episode of Women of the Military. Danielle has been serving on active duty in the Army since 2004. She enlisted as a paralegal after graduating from college. She deployed to Iraq and submitted her officer candidate school packet. She was selected to attend OCS 3.5 years after joining the military, and she was branched as signal and was stationed in Korea and Germany. After a successful command and becoming a single mom, she transferred into public affairs. She is a major currently stationed at Fort Meade, Maryland. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to hear your story. Thank you so much for having me. Let's start with why did you decide to join the military? Well, my... My story is certainly not a typical one, I would say, in regards to in regards that I was actually older than the average person that signed up. I was already 29 when I joined the Army. I had graduated college with a degree in history with the aspiration of becoming a teacher, a social studies teacher. But 2004, I was kind of burnt out from school and... I always knew that I wanted to do something that was bigger than myself. I've always been idealistic and I decided, well, maybe I want to do something a little bit different, something that no one would ever expect me to do, nor would I ever expect myself to do. And I don't come from a military family. I grew up in Pennsylvania. So I basically walked into the recruiter's office and said, hey, you know, I think I might be interested in doing uh, this military thing. I don't really know much about it. Of course, the recruiter was like, hey, yeah. I mean, to to be honest, I, I was looking, was going to try to join the Air Force, but the Air Force recruiter was never there. And in the strip mall that the recruiter's office was in, they, all four branches were located together. So the Army recruiter came out and was like, hey, you know, and I was like, yeah, I'm kind of interested in, uh, you know, doing this military thing. Uh, but this guy is never here. So, you know, he seemed friendly and, you know, really enthusiastic about getting me into the military. Of course, I didn't know then what I know now. Of course he was because he probably needed to get <laughs> an extra person in the military to make his quota for that month, but it was fine. And, you know, he, he sat down and we talked and I was like, yeah, this sounds like a good plan. I had heard about the possibility of becoming an officer, but when I talked to him about it, he was like, oh no, listen, you know what? It's so much easier to become an officer once you're already enlisted because by then you'll know the army you know, you'll get more respect because you were enlisted. And, you know, I mean, all his reasons sounded perfectly reasonable to me. So I was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. So, yeah, that's basically how I ended up enlisting versus becoming an officer straight away. You answered <laughs> my second question because I was going to ask, like, you already had your degree. Why didn't mm -hmm. you become an officer? But I was wondering if you didn't know. But it sounds like you kind of knew there was a difference, but then he steered you towards enlisting. Yeah. Anyways. 
Yes. I mean, I knew, but I didn't know, obviously. I mean, and this was the early days of the internet, early enough where a lot of people didn't have like high speed internet access. I mean, I've always been into technology, so I, I've had it from the very beginning. So I, I did do research, but at that time, there just wasn't a whole lot of information, not like today. And again, I didn't know people. I, I like, I was like, Really, of all the people I know, I just, I was an anomaly. Like, I randomly walked in off the street and be like, hey, this military thing sounds interesting. Talk to me about it. You know, like, I was his dream. You're not an anomaly. I actually have talked to other people who have done the same thing. They were like, hey, I should join the military. And with my friends, with with the people that I knew, you know, because nobody else I knew, like, really did that. So, but yeah, so that's, that's how that happened. (laughs) And then how did you find out about OCS? So did you kind of know that there was a way to switch from enlisted to officer once you went in, when you got recruited? Yes. I mean, he was, so he told me that I could apply for OCS once I was enlisted. And again, his rationale was sound. I was like, of course, that makes perfect sense. The, there were a few other things. So yeah, when I went down to the MEPS to sign up, you know, I had asked about like student loan repayment because I, I did. I took out a private institution in my hometown, student loans, and I was asking about, hey, you know, can I get student loan repayment? Like, what are, are there any bonuses? Are there any options? And the, the I don't know what he was down at, at MEPS. It wasn't the recruiter. It was the person who was like looking for the jobs, the career counselor, I guess. And he was like, oh, no, your MOS is the bonus. And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, okay, that's great. And so when I left for basic training, which was at Fort Jackson, was that South Carolina? Yeah, South Carolina. And I got there and I found out that all the other enlisted paralegals, everybody else basically got a bonus except for me. I was like, what? And that's when I started inquiring about, hey, can you tell me a little something about this whole officer candidate school? Because I like as an enlisted person, enlisting right off the street with my degree, I was eligible for E4 rank. So I came in as an E4. So that was a signal to like the drill sergeants and the other people around me that I had my degree. And so they asked me like the same questions, like, why didn't you go officer right away? And I'm like, well, I don't know. So um, yeah, people talked to me about it through basic training and then through my AIT. And then once I got to my first duty station is when obviously I had NCOs that were invested in my success and future. And that's really when I started to learn about what's the process and what do I need to do to apply for officer candidate school. Do you think any of its advice was like sound? Like, did you learn the army or do you think that it would have been better? I mean, I guess you don't know for sure, but do you feel like your time as an enlisted troop helped you as an officer now or? Absolutely. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, it, it's a funny story, really, at this point, but I wouldn't change having gone enlisted for anything because it absolutely did give me some perspective that I would not have had otherwise. And I mean, and I think that's the reason why we have multiple commissioning sources, because the military wants that breadth and depth of experience. So you want the ROTC folks and the academy folks, but you also want to commission people that are from your enlisted ranks as well, because they all bring something to 
the military. Now, granted, I wasn't enlisted for very long. I, I mean, really only three and a half years. And this goes back to one of those, like, I, I wish I would have known had I waited just six more months, my pay would have increased because I would have gotten the, the OE pay. But because I commissioned just under four years, I did not, I was, I was never eligible for the OE pay. But no, I absolutely don't regret it because I learned so much in that three and a half years, uh, what a good NCO looks like, you know, what, what taking care of soldiers looks like and what it feels like to be a soldier looking to your leaders and what you want from your leaders. So it certainly gave me a perspective that I probably wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah, that sounds really good. And when you're talking about OE pay, that is when when an officer gets paid, they say like a one, whatever. But if you have an OE, then you get a little bit more money. And I didn't know that, that you had to have yes. four years. So that's that's interesting. Four years in one day, I believe. If you okay. look at the pay charts, you'll see o, like OE1, OE2, right. OE3. It, it balances out once you get to a certain point where it's really not that significant anymore. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize that. It, I wouldn't have had any control over it, though, either, because of the way the process worked. You know, if I waited maybe to submit wow. my packet, that would have been the only way. But there would have been no guarantee that, you know, I would have been selected at the next round. So, it, I mean, it all worked out. It's I don't regret anything. In your bio, it said that you deployed and you submitted your officer candidate school. So did you do that while you were deployed or right before you deployed? How did that work? I did. So my first duty station was in Germany and I worked for paralegals. We work in a consolidated legal office because frequently you're the only paralegal in an organization. And to make paralegals more efficient, the legal office more efficient, we combine under whatever the higher headquarters organization is on the post that we're stationed. And in this case, it was first armored division when they were still in Germany. And uh, it was very beneficial because again, I fell under some really fantastic NCOs who were invested in me as a soldier and they were talking to me and, and other officers as well. I mean, to a lesser extent, but more so the NCOs that were very much invested in me and they had talked to me like, well, why? I didn't you go officer candidate school? And I explained to them, they were like, oh, they gotcha. They were like, well, you should consider doing it. But I knew that deployment was on the horizon. So I didn't want to do anything prior to deploying because I was still very new in the army. And I wasn't 100% sure if I was going to go beyond my initial four years. And we deployed to Iraq in August, September 2005. I just remember it specifically because it was when Hurricane Katrina hit and we deployed with National Guard unit from Louisiana. That's why it like sticks out in my mind. And I waited for a while, to be perfectly honest, because again, I wasn't 100% sure if the Army was going to be my future. And when I got to Iraq, I, I have to say I was probably very disillusioned. I mean, and I was, I didn't know, like, I, I thought I was going to go to Iraq and be like doing great stuff. You know what I mean? I, I, I really had a different expectation of what I thought I was going to be doing versus what I ended up really doing. I mean, essentially, for the most part, I was what they termed a fobbit. I very rarely left the 
relative safety of the post that I was on, uh, the fob that I was on. And I was, that actually made me, I felt some guilt because I could hear everything that was going on around me. Like the more, like we were getting hit with mortars, but it was not often that we were in any type of real danger. But I knew that there were people, there were soldiers all around me that were putting themselves in danger's way. And I had a hard time reconciling what I was doing there versus what they were doing there, feeling like maybe I wasn't contributing as much as my the rest of the team was. So there that's was a point. Sorry, that's interesting. No. And I think we should talk about that because I think a lot of people sometimes feel like they didn't do enough. And I think it's easy to get in comparison when you're Oh, absolutely. And Especially when you're relatively new to the Army. You know, because mm-hmm. I had deployed, I, I'd only been in the Army for maybe 16 months. Okay. So I was still, I mean, when you count going through basic training and AIT and first getting to your organization and, you know, learning the basics, you know, and you think you're, because like I said, I was, I was and still am very idealistic. You know, I thought I was going there to do something very, very important and significant. You know, like, I guess, I don't know, like, looking back on it now, like, now that I've been in the army for 15 years, like, I I don't dismiss the role that I played, um, because we all have a role to play because, you know, the our war fighters, our infantrymen, our combat arms, brothers and sisters, they can't take care of all these things on their own. They need people to do these things for them. So they're out there focusing on their job but at the time I didn't see it like that I saw it as somehow I was like a fraud I I wasn't doing what they were doing but yet I was getting paid the same amount of money you know and I felt bad about that and I was like I don't know if I could stay in the military and feel like this because I you know I had accepted when I joined the military I I was going to be in harm's way and I'm going, I'm committed to doing what the army asked me to do. And if that means, you know, going to a combat zone, then that's what I'm going to do. And I, I was all in, you know, and then getting there and seeing the reality of it, I was like, man, what am I doing here? You know, how am I contributing? How am I making a difference? You know, what, it, what am I doing? Like, does it matter? Again, that was an experience and, you know, it was time and, you know, hindsight, I, I see that it does, it did matter. But at the time, it was difficult for me to, to really reconcile that. And so I was really on the fence uh, about whether or not I was even going to stay in, let alone uh, put in my OCS packet. But I will say, I was going to say, what caused you to decide to put your packet in? Well, honestly, I had great leaders. And I had people that saw something in me that I didn't necessarily see in myself, even though I was feeling disillusioned about everything and not about the mission, but the fact that I wasn't contributing more to that mission. You know what I mean? And I had NCOs and officers that really said, you know, we think you would make a great officer. You're the type of person that we need. And, you know, I dismissed it for a while, you know, and I was like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But we were probably about, mm, we were definitely more than halfway done with, it was a 12 month tour. And I was probably about halfway to three quarters of the way done when I finally was like, you know what, okay, you know, 
if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to stay in, let me let me go ahead and put this OCS packet in. And it was basically through the encouragement of of my leaders that prompted me to finally just submit it. And I did. And I was surprised. This the fun, it's, it's actually kind of a funny story because my brigade commander, who is a full bird colonel in 06, uh, had called over to my NCO and said, I need you and Specialist Killian to report to my office immediately. And of course, I was, you know, no one, no specialist or junior enlisted soldier thinks anything good is going to come out of being called on the carpet to your brigade commander. Okay. <laughs> so I was, I was like, but I was thinking back, I was racking my brain. I was like, what did I do? Did I, did I give somebody? Cause you know, once you get to a certain point in your deployment, you, you may not be giving all the proper military customs and courtesies to everybody because you're all a little frustrated. Everyone's missing people. And I was like, Oh, did I, was I a little mouthy with somebody? I was like, Oh boy, I don't know. Like, what did I do? Oh gosh, I was so nervous. So I went over there. And my brigade commander, who was amazing, and I I admire him to this day, he uh, said, he told us, uh, you know, I get a lot of emails about soldiers, and uh, I I want to read this email that I got about you, Specialist Tony. And I was like, oh, my God, here we go. And all I could hear was, like, the beating of my heart in my ears. I was so nervous. And he started reading the email and I don't know, it was blah, 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 has been selected for officer candidate school, blah, 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 blah. That's all I heard. And he was like, congratulations. It's, this is a great day. Da, 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 da. And I, I don't know, like, I'm sure he said some really other great, nice things, but I was just really anxious about getting out of the office because I thought I was going <laughs> to, I thought I was going to pass out and in his office. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I found out that I got selected for OCS while I was in Iraq. And uh, yeah, it was, I haven't looked back since actually. <laughs> That's cool. That's a cool story. And I can like, even though I was an uh, officer the whole time, you never wanted to go to the commander's office. You always were like, what did I do? <laughs> exactly. And it always usually was a good thing. So it was like, I don't know why you just get so antsy. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Do you want to talk anything else about from your deployment? I think we did a good job covering the emotion. Yeah, because it was soon after, I mean, after I found out I got selected, I think that was like July of 2006. We redeployed in September. So it was a very short time from the time that I found out to the time that I was coming back. I we went back to Germany and while I was in Germany I had like a 9 month wait until my class started until I was supposed to leave for officer candidate school which was in Fort Benning, Georgia. So I didn't leave Germany and I went through a promotion board and got promoted to E5. Uh but I didn't leave Germany until July 2007. And that's, I mean, immediately I, I went to, uh, I started the school at Fort Benning, Georgia, and I graduated one November, 2007. So yeah, it was, I I remember going through officer candidate school and it, you know, the interesting thing about that time was they were looking, I mean, they, it was during a buildup, obviously we needed personnel. So they were really looking for officers in enlisted ranks. I would guess that half the company, and there were about 150 people 
in my OCS class, half of them were prior service. And not just like me, I thought I would be like my situation would be the typical story, but it wasn't like I had E6s, E7s, even an E8 was like 18 years of service that were going through OCS to commission as a second lieutenant and basically starting all over again. I thought that was very interesting, but I learned so much from from them, from those folks that were even senior enlisted folks that decided to go through OCS. Um, but I do remember going through the school thinking, why am I doing this? Like, this sucks. <laughs> I've already been through basic training and AIT. I was like, why am I doing this again? And I told myself, I was like, I don't care what happens. I am not doing this again. I'm not like, because people would injure themselves. Like they'd get there and they're like, I'm going to push myself to the absolute max to, you know, prove myself. And I saw people getting hurt, like really significantly hurt within the first week and having to recover and then be recycled. I was like, I am not doing this again. I'm like, I'm doing this once that's it. So as much as I wanted to do extraordinarily well, I also was I need to preserve my health and my body. So I'm, cause I'm not, I just said, I'm not doing this again. Like one time is enough. And thankfully I did. <laughs> I got it through it the first time. And having done boot camp and OCS, what would you say like the main differences are between the two different? Cause they're kind of like training schools. One's training you to be an officer, yes. but one's training you to be an officer. I would argue that OCS was way worse. <laughs> I mean, because basic training, you go in there and you, you're a civilian and their job of those drill sergeants are to transition civilians to becoming soldiers, airmen, Marines, sailors, whatever the case may be. Um, so you go in there not really knowing what to expect, you know. And so when I went through basic training, again, I was older. I was 29 when I went through. I wasn't a 18-year-old kid that was like, well, I'm going to see if I can buck the system and see what I can get away with. I was like, nope, I don't want to get yelled at. And I'm going to do everything they tell me to do. And I'm not going to argue. And I'm just going to get through this. So basic training, yeah, I mean, it had its, it certainly sucked at times. But it wasn't, I feel like the officer training school was just incredibly it was way worse in every aspect because they were always they were always hanging your commission over your head if you screwed up or if you failed or if you get recycled you were going to lose that opportunity to commission and you're going to get sent back to the army and that was going to be needs of the army so it was much it was a much scarier prospect than basic training because you, you don't you, again you don't know what you don't know like I had already signed up for my MOS and I just had to you know get through basic training and get out to the real army but in officer candidate school they were like if you fail you're going back to your you're going back to the regular army and you may not go back to whatever it was that you were doing before and, and it was way worse and I also think that maybe some of the cadre at officer candidate school I mean and I don't know I haven't spoken to them. I think they enjoyed the authority that they had knowing that this class of 150 people at the end were going to outrank them. So they enjoyed putting the pressure on us during the 12 weeks that they had us. So it was in no shape or form a cakewalk, 
I would never, I didn't want to, I don't, like I said, I didn't want to have to do it twice. And I questioned myself many times during OCS if, if it was worth it. I mean, it was obviously, but uh, at the time I was like, oh my gosh, why did I do this to myself? I was happy. I was happy being a little junior enlisted soldier. <laughs> why did I put myself? stuff through this but it, it all worked out in the end so and I'm gonna kind of like totally shift gears but I don't want to run out of time and miss talking okay. about about being a single mom in the army so can we Absolutely. talk a little bit about your experience like what happened how have you made that work after I commissioned you know I spent a year in Korea and then it coincidentally I ended up going back to Germany almost two years to the day that I left as a first lieutenant. So I left an E5 and I came back a first lieutenant and I went through, you know, I, I went through some units. I did some jobs that set me up for, for positions of greater responsibility. But yeah, the story of becoming a single mom, it was, the timing was probably horrible. Uh, I can't imagine it. Yeah, it, it, it was not a good, it was terrible timing. I had actually just taken command. I was a junior captain. I'd only been a captain for maybe nine months. So I was very lucky that I had been selected for commands. My Again, once again, my brigade commander saw something in me that I didn't necessarily see in myself, but had the full, had full faith and confidence in me. And I feel like he went out on a limb and selected me to be a commander. And probably like six weeks into command, I very unexpectedly found myself pregnant. I was not married to my my son's father, but we had known each other and been in a form of a relationship for some time. When I told him that I was pregnant, he was not necessarily ecstatic. He made it clear to me that I I was going to be a single parent, basically, straight away. So I was very nervous and confused and conflicted because by that point, I was 36, 36 years old. Again, beating myself up, like, how could I let this happen? I just, you know, I finally got the opportunity that all company grade officers are basically striving for. I was able to get command early and I'm gonna, I was really, I was really upset about telling my boss. I thought, because I looked at him as a mentor and I felt humbled and honored that he selected me above other officers to be the commander. And I was really worried about letting him down. I thought he was going to be really disappointed. And I went we did a field exercise and I didn't tell anybody. I, I like maybe one or two people and I kept it. I kept it to myself because I didn't want anyone to treat me any differently, at least not yet. <laughs> uh, and I wanted the opportunity to tell my boss. So after we came back from the field, I did an office call with him and I was very emotional. And I have to say to his credit, I, I, I probably underestimated him and I shouldn't have because I, he's never given me reason to think otherwise. He said, you know, you're going to stay in command. You're, you're going to do this. And I believe in you and babies are a blessing. And basically this, this was meant to be. And he was like, I still have full faith and confidence that you're going to 
you're going to be a great commander. He was like, from what I've seen so far, you know, I have no reason to believe anything is going to change. And I'll be honest, I broke down and I cried. I cried. I was crying. Like, oh, thank you, sir. I'm so sorry. I was like, I was apologizing to him because I felt like I messed up. Like somehow, and you know, and part of this is like the military culture, you know, like it's different for women. Like I have no doubt if a man walked in there and, you know, had his girlfriend pregnant, he probably wouldn't even tell his boss, you know, or let alone feel bad about it. You know, I felt horrible about it. But again, he, he was a true leader. And he never once doubted me, never once suggested that I wasn't capable or that I couldn't do it because I was pregnant. And he changed out not too long after. And my new boss after that felt the same way. Like he was like, I'm not, I'm not going to take you out of command. Like you can do this. And again, like I feel like a lot of my career has been fantastic leaders having more confidence in me than me having confidence in myself. So I ended up being pregnant, going on maternity leave and having a newborn during my command. And I was in command for two years. And like I said, I, I, I ended up pregnant like within probably six weeks after I, I got, I took command. It wasn't easy. Uh, it was extremely difficult. I was in a foreign country. I was a single parent. My son was colic the first five months. I had an extremely emotionally volatile relationship with my son's father. I suffered some postpartum depression. And I mean, looking back at that time, I hope that I did the best I could for my soldiers because I, I do, like, I look back at this time and I, and I feel bad about, did I give them everything they deserved, the soldiers? But then I look back and I did I give everything that my soldier, my son needed? You know what I mean? It was, it was a very challenging time. I mean, I was successful. And if you ask anybody that knows me, everyone seems to think that I'm doing very well and I handle things and, you know, but on the inside, I, I wasn't, I was not doing well. I was, it was definitely a struggle. And again, with time and hindsight and reflection, I, you know, I can look back at that time and say, you know what, that was, I struggled. I really did struggle. And I wish I would have reached out to more people for the help that I obviously needed. But I mean, I came out of it on the other side. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> wiser and I feel like it's made me a better leader. I'll be a perfectly honest because, you know, when I went into when I was pregnant, I, I, I felt like I was always somewhat empathetic and tried to be compassionate with with my soldiers. But there was certainly a part of me that had a bit of arrogance when it came to like dealing with kids and families and, and stuff like that, um, until you become a parent yourself, it, you, you won't really truly, you won't really truly get it, you know? And I was, again, 
I, I think it was diluted. I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to have this baby and now I'm just going to go back. I'm going to bounce back right after I give birth. And now I'm going to have this perfect, cute little baby that's just going to sleep and eat. And my life is going to just go on and I'm going to go back to being a commander and it's going to be, you know, picture perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was in for a rude awakening. I will say becoming a parent has certainly changed me in ways that I never expected and mostly in good ways. <laughs> and I, like I said, I do think it's made me um, a better leader in general, but it, it's been a challenge. It certainly has been a challenge. I have been fortunate that most of my units and my leaders have been understanding and supportive and uh, I've also considered myself extraordinarily lucky that I haven't had to leave my son for very long periods of time. I've just, you know, I, I, I've been very lucky, very, very lucky. Um, yeah. Well, and it's great that you had a boss and then a boss who followed that boss who left you in command and didn't, because sometimes pregnancy can hinder women's careers and take opportunities away from them. So. Oh, absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I had a different plan for my career before I had my son. And that all changed once I had my son. My priority completely shifted. Absolutely. I I would consider I would have considered myself a little bit more. I would have been considered myself more army focused prior to having my son and doing those things that would have set apart from my peers. And I'm not saying that I I still don't do those things, but I do it with my son always in the forefront of my mind, especially as a single parent. I'm not co-parenting. I'm doing this all by myself and I don't have a support system. You know, like it's just one of those things, you know, in the military, you move around and you have to start all over everywhere you go. And I don't have a large family. So uh, perhaps I'd feel differently if I had that, but I don't. So that always like is always in my mind. Okay. So I, I would love to do X, Y, and Z in the army, but how is that going to affect my relationship with my son? Because honestly, you know, I love the army. I would never change a thing. I would never dissuade anyone from joining the military. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm going to take this uniform off and I'm not always going to be Major Killian. But in my mind, I'm always going to be mom. And that relationship is the most important thing to me. So I love the Army. I'm always striving to do better and excel in my positions. But my son, you know, my son is my son. He's going to be, that will never change. I will always be his mom. So that's a really good way to look at it. I think that sometimes people think they have to choose like one or the other, but it sounds like you have gotten a pretty good balance of, it's probably still hard, but you know that your son is important. You love the army, but you have to make sacrifices and choices maybe for your career to make it work at home. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I realize, you know, there's, there's no such thing as giving a hundred percent at either the army or being a parent, one thing is going to suffer for the other thing. Now, I try my best to mitigate that as much as I can. So when the opportunity presents myself that I can be more present 
for my son, you know, and I do that, you know, but then there's going to be the times where the army is going to say, Hey, you know, we need you to do this. And I'm like, okay, well, my son, I, I do understand that there's going to be times where that sacrifice is going to be made. But in general, I really, I really do do my best. It's, I don't always, I mean, I will always err on the side of my son, but I also committed to serving my country. So it's, it's a balance and it's, it's not easy. (laughs) It's not, it's never easy. So, (laughs) but I wouldn't change a thing. I really have loved talking to you. And I think we've talked about something that I don't think many people really talk about being a single parent and how hard it is. But I have one last question. What would you tell girls considering joining the military? Oh, boy. You know what? I will say that today's military, the opportunities, I mean, the opportunities that were there for me before, but had I had the opportunities that are presented to all women today been available when I joined, I would certainly be doing something very different. I mean, today, the sky's the limit. You know, they break into, they've broken down a lot of the barriers that existed. I certainly would encourage anyone, whether male or female, to at least serve in some branch of the service for at least a couple years. Uh, I think it really, it helps shape a person in a way that, you know, you're not necessarily going to get. I mean, the army has changed me as a person and in a very good way. Uh, I definitely lacked confidence. I was not very sure of myself. Um, I was risk adverse. I'm not saying I engage in risky behaviors now, but I'm, you know, the army built me up into something that is, I would never have become had I not joined. And for young women looking for a challenge and wanting to do something that matters, I would absolutely say, you know, now is that time because you have so many more opportunities. And, you know, the army continues, the military in general, you know, we continue to grow and get better, you know, is, you know, it's, it's, the military is not a static organization. If it, if it was, you know, no one would want to join, uh, but it is a dynamic organization and the cross-section of folks that serve, I mean, that alone, you get to know people from parts of the country, parts of the world that you would never, never have had the opportunity to meet or know. And the jobs and the skills that you get from being in the military, it's, I mean, it's amazing. I, I, I'm not a recruiter, but I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's certainly, it would, it's certainly worth at least a couple years of someone's, someone's life. I would say it's a great opportunity and more now more so than ever, you know, we have so many more opportunities to excel. This, like I said, the sky's the limit. There's no reason that anyone, if they want to come in and do something really amazing, the military is the place to do it. I feel like the military opens a lot of doors that you didn't even know were doors that you could open because of the people that you meet, the experiences that you have. Absolutely. I, I, I am very grateful I mean, it's not all, you know, it's not always great. I mean, I had, there's been times 
where I thought I was going to get out. You know what I mean? But everybody goes through that. There's not a single person in any branch of the service that at some point isn't like, well, maybe it's time for me to hang it up. But when you look at my, your total service and everything that you get from being in the military, I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't change it. I, I feel like I'm very lucky. And as more so being a single parent, you know, it's hard, but it's also has provided me the ability to provide a certain type of life for my son that uh, I may not have been able to do if I wasn't in the military. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. I've really enjoyed getting a chance to talk to you, hear your experience, and hear about how motherhood has kind of shaped you into who you are. I can really relate to that experience. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Women of the Military. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing stories I have with women who have served in our military. Did you love the show? Don't forget to leave a review. Finally, if you are a woman who has served or is currently serving in the military, please email me at airmantomom at gmail.com so I can set you up to be on a future episode of Women of the Military.